everyone is all too familiar with the nasty word debt. Debt. It's an awful word, isn't it? And we're all too familiar with that. We all uh, understand exactly what that means and experience that uh, far too many times. And credit cards, credit cards are probably the worst and the most common example of that. Uh, they're, they're just, they can be a very, um, very bad thing, especially for the younger person to get, which ironically is uh, exactly what the, the credit card companies target, you know. Um, they know what they're doing there, right? More than two out of three U.S. adults, which is actually, that's 68%, don't know when or if they will ever be debt-free from their credit card debt that they have accrued. And that was a, a, a survey done last year online. And that fact shows and it proves that millions of people either don't fully understand how credit works or they don't believe the rules and the responsibilities of credit card purchases actually apply to them. But I'm going to just choose to assume that everyone here uh, understands that when a purchase is charged to the card, it becomes a picture and a promise of future payment. You know, the bill comes, and when it's paid, and only when it's paid, uh, that specific amount of debt is removed from the person's name and their account. But what never happens is that the bill comes due, and we go out to our mailbox, and we open up that dreaded envelope, or we get that horrible email uh, about the bill being due, and what never happens in that situation is that the bill says on it, paid by company owner, balance paid in full, account completely clear. Just never seems to say that. Wouldn't that be great, though, if it did? I mean, we'd stumble back and be like, oh, oh, I'm coming, Lord, I'm coming. I mean, if that ever happened, it it would be absolutely astounding. That never happens, and it probably never will. Keep that very unlikely example in your mind as we go to what will be the last word of Jesus that he spoke from the cross, the last word from the cross that we consider in this series that we've done now for three weeks. And the last word that we're going to look at today is found in John 19, 28 through 30. John 19, 28 through 30. Jesus has been on the cross now for hours, and it's almost to the final moment. Verse 28, John 19. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, and specifically that scripture he's fulfilling is in Psalm 69. This is what he said, I thirst, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch, which was used to apply the blood of the Passover lamb. 
which Jesus was the fulfillment of. All the, all the Passover act and the Passover lamb and the Passover blood, it was all a picture of the coming Messiah, the ultimate Passover lamb. I find that incredibly powerful that right here at the cross, they use a hyssop branch to bring that sour wine up to Jesus and it's the very same kind of branch that was used for the blood of the Passover lamb. Isn't that just amazing how God does things like that? So they apply that to him and they held it to his mouth. In verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, and literally that's cried out. That's not just he said or said quietly or said weakly. It's it's really like the cry of, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We looked at that a couple weeks ago, remember? And he, he shouted that out. We said that should not have been able to happen. Because he had gone through so much. He had been beaten and dehydrated and he was hanging on the cross suffocating. And and that was earlier. This is now hours even after that. Again, he should not have been able to say anything loudly. But this said in our language is really cried out. It's a shout. It's a victory shout. And here's what was proclaimed. It is finished and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit he gave up his spirit it was not taken from him Jesus was not killed without his permission Jesus the sovereign Lord of all things the creator the sustainer of life gave up willingly his spirit It wasn't robbed from him. Well, what what did Jesus mean by it is finished? Was it his pain on the cross, his suffering? Was it his time and mission on earth? Was it the weight and demand of the law and the sacrificial system? Well, those are all things that would be finished, certainly, by his work on the cross. But it's not what Christ was declaring here. It's not really what he meant by it is finished here when he said that. And I want us to look at Colossians 2, verses 13 through 14. Because in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, we see there a very clear explanation for what was happening at the cross and why Jesus said this right before he actually died. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. Verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, with Jesus, Having forgiven us all our trespasses. How did he do it? Verse 14 tells us how he did that, how he accomplished that forgiveness. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside. He took away, nailing it to the cross. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. During that time in history, here in the first century, when you had a debt that you couldn't pay back, you were thrown into what was known as a debtor's prison. And they would write down a list of all the debts that you had, and you would have to stay in prison until it was fully, entirely paid off. Aren't you glad that doesn't work like that today? At least not as quickly. (laughs) But if you couldn't pay off the debt while you were actually free and working, how were you supposed to pay it off while you were in prison? Uh Uh-oh. You wouldn't. You couldn't. It, It didn't happen. And so the only way that you could get out of debtor's prison was if someone else came on your behalf and paid your debt. And after that payment was made and after it was received, what would happen is the magistrate and the powers that be, they would take that list, you know, with all your debts on it. They would take that and a single word was written across it. That word is tetelestai. Tetelestai. Debt paid in full. And that one word declared, here is your freedom. Here is your confidence. No one can ever hold these same debts over you again. My friends... That's exactly what Jesus meant when he said on the cross, It is finished. Jesus, with his perfect currency, his blood, paid all of our massive sin debt. Past, present, and future. And he declared over it, Tetelestai! Debt Paid in full. Friends, what that means is the cross of Jesus is now your receipt. When the enemy comes against you and reminds you of all your failures and all of your sins, when your own conscience just doesn't seem to let go of you, when the guilt comes cascading into your life, and when that same enemy appears before the throne of our God and says, look at them, would you believe what they're doing still? Look at how much they sin. Look at their rebellion against you. What are you going to do about it? You are righteous and you are just and you should judge them. Pour out your wrath on them. And all of that would be right. What the devil speaks in those times is absolutely true. It's absolutely right. We are sinners. We are altogether unrighteous. We do still choose rebellion. We are deserving and worthy of nothing but God's judgment and the full display of his wrath. He's right. He speaks truth in those moments. But there's a greater truth that he doesn't speak, that he tries to get us to forget, and that is that if we are in Christ, over our whole lives is written this word, Tetelestai. It is finished. Paid in full. Paid in full. And the cross serves as an eternal receipt 
of payment. Through Jesus and through him alone, your account can be clear. And the sin debt that all of us bear apart from Christ that we could never have any hope to pay on our own. It was paid on our behalf by Christ, by what he did. Do you know that today? Have you received that payment for your own sins today? Have you accepted what was done on your behalf? Do you stand before God with a clear account? Not because of anything you've done, but because you have received by faith what Jesus did on your behalf. That's the question that's before you today. It's the question that's before all of us. The reason that Jesus had to do what he did. The reason the cross took place. The reason the payment was made the way it was and how it was. Was because of what we know to be true in Romans 3, verses 23 through 26. Romans 3, 23 through 26. It gives us the verdict that is all mankind's verdict. But it also provides us with the hope and the remedy and the rescue that is available for all mankind, despite their verdict. Romans 3.23 says this, For all, and all means all, have sinned, they've incurred debt, and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified, that's declared righteous, to be brought into right standing, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace, totally undeserved, as a gift. Not something you work for or earn. Something you're given. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. And that is a great, great word. Propitiation. It's a beautiful, powerful word. It means to satisfy the demand of debt with a required payment, but in place of another. It's a substitutionary payment. That's what propitiation is. So God put forward Jesus as that propitiation, as that satisfaction of the demand of debt, as our substitutionary payment and sacrifice. By his blood, that's that currency that was used to pay our debt. The perfect blood of our Savior. Perfect, powerful, eternal currency. By his blood he did this to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins by a kind of credit with the sacrificial system. That's how that worked. Forgiveness was given, a sacrifice was made, but it wasn't permanent or eternal forgiveness. It was kind of forgiveness on credit, looking forward to the day when final payment would be made. A bill would come due. Payment would have to be made. In verse 26... It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier 
of the one who has faith in Jesus. See, Jesus was the payment of all the bills. All his people send it. The people before the cross and the people after the cross. It all came down to the central moment when Jesus hung there on the cross as payment in full of all of the sins of God's people. That was the transaction that secured it all. God had to deal with sin. He couldn't look the other way. He couldn't sweep it under the rug. He couldn't for one moment or in any way not judge sin. If he did that, he would cease to be God. Because he has to be perfectly just at all times. And he has to judge sin. But God is also always full of grace and mercy and love. So what was he to do? That's quite a predicament, right? Judging sin with all of his power and the full weight of his wrath, but loving the object of that judgment so much that he couldn't bear to do that to them and to cast everyone away from him forever. And so the answer for that predicament was his very own son. And Jesus was the payment and the recipient for all of God's just judgment in our place. He was what made it possible for us to be justified while the Father could remain just in his judgment. Christ's death on the cross was the absolutely necessary transaction to pay our debt and to secure our freedom from our deserved penalty and to secure our right standing and relationship with God as our very own Father instead of our judge. Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe. Because we owed a debt we could never pay. And that's not original with me. It's a long time statement. But I love it. I've just never gotten over that that truth. It's powerful. It's, It's essential for us to understand. And that, that is our hope. That we have a Savior who who paid the debt that he didn't know that we did, but that we had no hope of ever paying. And he did it for us all out of love and all out of grace and all out of mercy. And he did it entirely. He did it completely. What he did on the cross was forever enough. It was all sufficient for all of our need. And that's what was meant, my friends, by Jesus saying, it is finished. But wait, there's more. Jesus said, it is finished, not I am finished. He never said that from the cross. He never said, you've got me. What am I going to do now? I guess it's all over. I'm done. That's not what he said. He said, it is finished. 
Your sin debt is finished. Your separation from me is finished. Your judgment is finished. That's what's done. Death did not have the last word with Jesus. That's what we celebrate today. That's what we should celebrate every day. Because resurrection is not just one day on a calendar. Resurrection is every moment. It's our very breath for those that are in Christ Jesus. I want you to consider John chapter 20, verses 19 through 20. It's a beautiful section of scripture. John 20, 19 through 20 says this. When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews, the Jewish leaders, the Jewish authorities, the ones that had arrested their Savior and crucified Him. That's their environment. That's the context that's surrounding. Fear, anxiety, despair, isolation. Okay, get that into your mind. And then, Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Why did Jesus Say, peace be with you. How was he able to say that? Why did he make sure he expressed that? Why, why were the disciples so in, incredibly happy to see him? Why did they rejoice? It's because the peace extended to the disciples here at this time. The peace that was offered them and to us today was purchased for them and for us at the cross. But here's what we need to understand. We cannot glance over this. We can't look past this. We have to understand how important this is. That the peace that was extended, that it was purchased at the cross, but its power and its permanence and the resulting joy are only possible because of the resurrection. Without the resurrection of Christ, we would not have peace with God. Without the resurrection of Christ, we wouldn't have hope for today or tomorrow. Without the resurrection of Christ, we would not be certain of our right standing with God the Father. That's what made it all possible. Romans 4.25 says this, He was delivered up for our trespasses. There's the payment That's the the sin debt being taken care of. It is finished, paid in full, to Telestai. And raised for our justification. Our right standing with God. Our our having declared over us clean, clear, righteous, accepted. You see, the resurrection was God the Father's Amen and accepted to God the Son's statement, it is finished, paid in full. The resurrection was God's Amen. I accept this. 
to what the Son said on the cross, by it is finished. Are you glad for that this morning? That, friends, that is your only hope and my only hope. That is where our joy can and should come from. It's not in anything that we could do or grab onto in this life. It's not dependent on circumstances and things always going right for you because we all know that won't always happen. In fact, it hardly ever happens, right? That things go completely the way we want them to. There's still bills to pay that we have no idea where we're going to get the money to come from to pay them. There's still jobs that are in jeopardy. There's still kids that don't listen to us. There's still disagreements with our spouses. There's still wars and rumor of wars. There's disease and there's sickness. And there's a million things to be afraid of and to be discouraged by. And then there's our own lack of of being able to even consistently walk and live out this Christian life the way we're supposed to and know we should and want to. And so if our perspective and our source of joy and our strength, if it all rests on all those things, then we truly are hopeless. That's why it's so important to keep at the forefront of our minds, moment in, moment out, day in, day out, that our hope lies in the fact that a Savior does not lie in the grave anymore. And the only response, the only thing that makes sense for us as a result of that all being true, is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.15. He said this, And he, speaking of Jesus, died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's that's the logical conclusion. And the very minimal of responses, but the one that is absolutely necessary for all of us in light of what has been done for us. That a Savior left heaven to go to the cross to bear a debt that was not his, but that we had no hope of paying, all so that we could know love and acceptance, all so that we could have a future and a hope, an eternal one. And then he rose from the dead, proving that what was done on the cross was completely sufficient and eternally accepted on our behalf. Do you know that today? Do you know that this morning? Do you stand in resurrection power and resurrection life through the resurrected Lord? Let's pray. If you, in all honesty, had to answer no to that question, there is no greater time, there is no greater moment, there is no greater opportunity than right now to change your no to a yes. 
And as great as your need for the Savior is, the solution and the way to receive Him and all that He did for you has been made incredibly simple for you. It cost Him everything. But it's incredibly simple and free for you. What is required of all of us is that we, in our heart of hearts, our innermost self, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he did what he said he would do, which is that he is the only Savior, the only hope we have of salvation, given by the Father to us. And that there is no other name other than Jesus by which we can be saved, rescued, declared free, declared not guilty. And if you believe that, you don't have to say some fancy thing, some long statement. You just have to, between you and God, admit and acknowledge what you are now believing in your heart to be true. That you are a sinner in need of His grace. That you are a sinner in need of His salvation. And that you believe Jesus came to be that for you. And then you simply say, please, God, save me. Please, God, make me your very own through your Son, Jesus. And it's in His name I ask. And the Bible says if you believe that in your heart and you acknowledge that with your lips, that you will be saved. That very moment. That's it. That's it. But that's everything. It's everything. I hope that if you have that need in your life today that you have done so even right now, even as I was talking, or that you would do so in the minutes coming after we're done. And I just want you to know, nothing would make me more glad than to talk with you one-on-one after we're done here, to maybe go a little deeper, maybe provide some additional clarification if that's needed. Or I can just pray for you right where you are. If that's you, if, if you say, yes, Pastor, I, I agree with what you've said, and, and that's me, I need, I need Jesus, I need salvation, I need to be resurrected from death. I want that. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me that I let go of what I'm holding on to and that I respond to what has been given to me already in Jesus? If there's anybody that's, that's like that, if I described you in any way, would you please just... Lift up your hand and and let me just pray for you. I'm not going to draw attention or embarrass you. It's not my goal. I just want to pray for you and I want to be available to you to talk further. Anybody at all? Okay, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the power of the cross of your son Jesus. That at the cross, when your son said, it is finished, he did not say, I am finished. And at the cross, when he said that, he declared for all who would receive him and receive that work, he declared not guilty. 
he declared, paid in full. He declared that and did that for me. He declared and did that for my brothers and sisters here. And for all whom you gifted with faith to receive what was done on our behalf. For all that you by your spirit awoke from death. That declaration and that victory is ours. But Father, as powerful as that work on the cross was, if it stopped there, if it ended there, it wouldn't have been enough. And so I thank you now and tomorrow and the next day and forever as we all will, I thank you for the empty tomb. I thank you for the resurrected Savior that shouts and proves accepted Received enough because the empty tomb proves that what was done on the cross was enough forever. And thank you for inviting us into that same resurrection life and power, not, not just far off in future in heaven, but here and now, every moment that we are alive, with every breath we can know and experience and walk in resurrection power. Thank you. Thank you. May everyone here know that and apply that. And if there is anyone here who just didn't have the strength in that moment to say, yeah, that's me, I'm outside of that, I need that, you know if that's true. And I pray that you would continue to work by your Spirit, bringing them to that point where they surrender all they're holding on to and grab hold of life in and through Jesus. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.